going deep. I feel like Kalo on the Miami Heat. The words I speak off this sheet are like a three-peat. I don't just hop on a track. I bring running cleats. I'm a player for real, more than an athlete. Let my mama tell it. Could have ran for the Senate. Instead, I penned it for Donovan Bennett. I'm cemented. This a deep dive. In your headphones or a long drive. Up close and personal, just like you courtside. They ain't no out of bounds here. No offsides. We going live in one, two, three, four, five. You are now tuned in to Going Deep with Donovan Bennett. Well, this is not the show I was hoping to do, but it is the one I think we need to do as we have a little bit of a post-mortem on the 2023 from the Blue Jays and their playoff run, which was very quick and very similar to their last couple. 2020, 26 hours and five minutes, Blue Jays were in the playoffs. 2022, 28 hours and 13 minutes, stretched it out a little bit. And 2023, 26 hours and 54 minutes. This team has lost 10 of their last 11 playoff games dating back to the 2016 ALCS. They have seven straight playoff losses. Everyone wants to talk about analytics and the numbers and what they say or do not say. To me, those are the numbers that tell the story. But let's talk to two people who tell the story on how we got here and maybe what we can learn, hopefully, as we move forward. The first Someone who was there in the building in Minnesota. So he'll be able to give fresh perspective. Still actually on the road. Ben Nicholson-Smith joins us. I'm going deep. So Ben, I'm going to come to you for some counsel, I believe. I'm certainly not going to get any of that from Sid when I talked to him following this previous conversation. So uh, let's just set the scene. You're watching, you're in the building as inning after inning, questionable plate approach after questionable plate approach, mistake after mistake happens. You're watching those nine innings thinking what? Oh my goodness, so many different thoughts and uh, not many of them too positive with respect to the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, you know, it was one of those games that's very close and so every play mattered so much and every decision mattered so much. And as I'm sitting there, I mean, a lot of the conversation is around the pitching and how the Blue Jays managed that because the hitting, like you said, I mean, they they scored zero runs. They had one extra base hit this whole series. Like it was not a good offensive series for this team, but I think we've come to expect that. So, you know, I'm sure we can get to it, but I'm sitting there really thinking about the pitching decisions, how they're going to handle it. And also, you know, what the discussion is going to be, because there's a, you know, this is a, it's an important discussion to be had, but it's not as fun as talking about, Hey, the Jays clinched and they're going to the division series. So, in some ways, this is sports talk radio at its best, but it's also like it's not a fun conversation in so many ways. Yeah, and we'll obviously get to the pitching conversation and the referendum on analytics or just numbers in general that's happening online uh, as we speak. But I was watching this team, whether it's the 26 hours uh, in change that they were in the postseason for uh, or – the months that we've watched them and routinely I said to myself, what happened to launch angle? What happened to this team being, you know, very zero sum outcome strikeouts or home runs, the way the game has trended. There is pop in this lineup. It's just not showing itself specifically with runners in scoring position. What do you ascribe to the reason why there's been such a power outage in this lineup where the team they're facing, they don't really have one or two home run hitters that jump out at you, but somehow throughout their entire lineup, they find people to hit double digit home run. Yeah. And the twins twins ended up leading the American league in home runs, despite not having a 30 homer hitter. And, and they had their home run hitters or one of them show up in the playoffs in Royce Lewis. And, you know, to me, like to some extent, you just need someone to do that 
for you in in big moments. And the Jays haven't had that. They have not had. I know Matt Chapman came close, but you know it's a game of results, right? And the one way to make sure that no one catches what you're hitting is to hit it over the wall. And the Jays haven't done that this year. So I think that there's a a big discussion to be had around Vlad Guerrero Jr. I also think it's, you know, George Springer has been productive. Like he has been a productive player, but he hasn't been great. I mean, we're talking about a guy who hit, I think, 21 home runs. This is a $150 million player. This is the biggest contract in the history of the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, it's not like he's out there hitting 35 bombs a year. So I, I just, you know, you look at Kirk, he's obviously lost in power. Um, you know, they they sacrificed some power willingly to be a better team when it came to keeping runs off the board. And to some extent that worked, but man, like I, I do think you're right. Like you need power in the playoffs and they got one extra base hit. End of the day, they had one double from Vladdy and that's their whole extra base hit output for this series. Yeah. The interesting with Springer is when you do that deal, you're baking into it some regression. We're probably gonna have to overpay to get the player come to this market probably gonna have to overpay and it might hopefully feel like a steal at the beginning of the contract and it might not look as good over time that's just the rules of engagement at that level with that type of player but some of these other players like Vladdy and like Bo who obviously had a great offensive year when he was healthy but that doesn't help in a two game sample in the postseason some of those other players they're actually should be entering, if not in their prime offensively. And I think when you look at the roster construction moving forward, that I think might be the most alarming thing to me offensively. Yeah. Well, here's, here's like, I'll go even broader and I'll say like, you know, if you look at this team, the way it's been built, 2022 and 2023 and even 2021, these were supposed to be years that the Blue Jays did a lot more than what they've done. Like to get to two wild card rounds, they missed in 21, swept out of the wild card round in 22, swept out of the wild card round in 23. This is that is a bad case scenario for what this team should be doing and what the investments um, have have been in and around this young core because. George Springer, I mean, I can I can talk about his season this year and say, okay, it was a little underwhelming. He still took the field, is still somewhat productive, but he's now 34. So 35, 36, 37, I mean, we're not expecting more from George Springer. And it would be hard to expect more from Kevin Gosman and Chris Bassett, who were really, really good this year. It would be hard to expect more from Jose Barrios or even Yusei Kikuchi or, you know, really anyone in that starting rotation. This side of Alec Manoa was exceptional this year. So, you know, you have some of these guys who were signed to big contracts and did what they were supposed to do. Like the Bassett deal was good. The Gosman deal was good. The the Springer deal, you know, it's, it, it's okay so far. But, you know, you're basically looking at guys who are probably going to trend in a different direction. I think that's the scariest part, to be honest, is that year over year, what fluctuates in baseball, starting pitching, health, right? You could have a bad week and lose a bunch of starters. Ask the Tampa Bay Rays and the reliability of your bullpen. Your bullpen could be lights out when you're, and you can bring all the same cast of characters back. And for whatever reason, you may not get the same performance. You just wasted essentially two great years from those units, units that showed that they were championship ready. And also, and it seems so far gone when you're reporting on it happened, but to me, it's still a, a big issue when you talk about what this club does moving forward. You managed to do that all in a year where you got literally nothing from your opening day starter. How many yeah. teams in baseball could say that? Yeah, we could just burn our ace who, who's, who's essentially young and under team control and still make the postseason and have one of, if not the best starting rotation in baseball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's It's wild. And I think like... You know, this is where, and you know, in in all the conversations that I'm having around this team right now, like I'm almost trying to like not get too off the deep end because I find myself like it's hard. And Shy actually called me out on this a couple times for my takes because I was almost like getting like a little more emotional around these things than usual. And I think like first of all, that's like part of sports and that's part of the fun of it. But second of all, like 
it's really hard to zoom out in these moments sometimes. And I think, um, you know, when we're talking about a, a team that has so clearly fallen short of its potential, you know, it's, it's hard to like look at, at the next few months and say, well, of course, like flat and bow are guys you want to bet on. They're still really good players. You still have good pitching. They have a lot of money coming off the books. They can spend that. They're going to be a good team next year. We'll see what happens. And, you know, all that stuff is true. Like, they really could and should definitely be a good team next year. No question about that. But it doesn't take away from the fact that this season as a whole, totally underwhelming, totally frustrating. Best moment of the year is what? Like, I'd actually be curious to hear your thoughts here, Donovan. Like, I, I don't. I'm not even sure what I think the best moment of this year was for the team, but it certainly didn't come in the wild card round. That is a great question. Can I say I don't think there was one? Right. I'm, I'm, I don't think there was. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if there ever was a moment where you felt really comfortable and confident. With this team, and I don't want to sound like a parent, but I'm about to. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, because there, you could not have scripted a two-game sample size that was a better microcosm of this entire season. Yeah, lackadaisical, borderline questionable on the base pass. The entire mantra about attention to detail was never really shown to be true and showed itself in the biggest moments starting pitching actually showed up like, you know, Gosman had a rough start, but certainly settled in and found his groove. And, you know, given that you're in the postseason and you're facing a tough opponent, that was, you know, more than an adequate start. Uh, defense played well, but lack of timely, Clutch hitting, especially with runners in scoring position. And then, you know, a, a couple managerial decisions that were borderline frustrating, if not excruciating. Like, that was the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. And going into this series, I thought, okay, it's probably going to be pretty low scoring. And it definitely was. And you know, I didn't anticipate that the base running would be as bad as it was like both Bo and Vladdy. And look, like I just, I'm not trying, I don't want to be sitting here like, you know, on a, on a pedestal thing. Like how could Bo, how could Vladdy? It obviously wasn't their intention to get caught in the way that they did. And Carlos Correa is a great defensive player, but look, like you have to know who your opponent is and you have to, it's not a secret that Carlos Correa is a good defensive player. (laughs) It's not like he's been hiding out somewhere. He's been in the major leagues for the last, like whatever it is, seven, eight years. And he's been really good defensively every one of those, every one of those years. So, Bo, you're really going to test him down three. Like that, that's the the moment you want to choose. Vladdy, you you know, you're going to, you're going to stray off second base and let Carlos Correa make this amazing play. Like, so well thought out, so strategic, so savvy. Um, but still, like, Vladdy, you let him do that. And the base running lapses on this team are have been embarrassing all season long. They are objectively awful. Like, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. They objectively have been among the very worst base running teams in Major League Baseball this year. And it's like, you're going to let that be part of the way that you go down? And, of course, too, like, I, I had a sense, and I said it in a few places, like I knew John Schneider was going to make a call that people were going to hate because <laughs> partly that's, you know, partly that's the way baseball decision-making is, is you know, um, received and that's part of the playoffs and that's partly how it goes in a lot of markets. But it's not a surprise that it happened in this one. Well, intent to me in this scenario doesn't matter. Listen, if someone strikes out swinging and they're trying to put the ball in play and they just miss. Well, sure. They didn't want to miss. They were trying to, you know, make uh, contact and driving some runs. It didn't work out. Baseball is a game of failure. I get it. But th- this is if intent doesn't matter. And sure. They didn't want to be called out, but sure. It's not murder. It's manslaughter. Then the, the outcome yeah. was not favorable because of, a poor decision given the context. In the case of Bo, one, you ran through a 
stop sign from from my vantage point. Now, you could say in that scenario, it's his call. I would say, does he have eyes in the back of his head? Why would he have more information? You, you round hard, and then if anything, um, you know, take a peek. But even if you say it's his call, well, what's the context, right? To your point, you're down multiple runs. You haven't really got anything going. Do you want to be the third out at home plate? And then in the case of Vladdy, you're on second. You have someone ahead of you on third. Like your lead at this point doesn't really matter, especially your initial lead. If anything, be aggressive on your secondary lead. Once you know the ball is going to be thrown to the plate for you to, in that moment, be telling Bo Bichette to calm down and relax. And then you are too relaxed and get picked off. Like it's just a a Greek tragedy. So I, I, I think lean towards you where in general, I say, listen, these people are infinitely more invested in the outcome than we are. They get up every day. They think about these things and they want more than we want for them, for them to go well. So for us to come down on them really makes no sense because they're coming down on themselves and they have more information. Having said that, there are things that I learned when I was 15 playing baseball that they were not able to do as professionals making millions of dollars. And I think in that case, criticism is actually warranted. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And you're right. Intent doesn't matter. These are major league athletes. We assume they want to be safe. We assume they want to you know, deliver in the big moments. And, you know, it's, it's part of being a major league athlete is you face the criticism when you make a mistake. And part of the challenge for Vlad Jr. is, look, you're playing on the road and, and you're, you're playing in an environment that's really loud. You have to be able to manage that and you have to know you're not necessarily going to hear your coach. And that's partly too, that's an organizational thing. Like that, that's got to come from the coaches to say to Vladdy, Hey, you might not hear me. It's really loud in here. Just stay close to the base if you're in doubt at all. And I think too, like going into this, I think Vladdy had the right idea because he made actually, it was a great quote. He said, before the series, Caleb Joseph asked him about his um, his mindset going in, and Vladdy said, hey, this is not the NBA where one player can score 80 points, so I have to trust my teammates, which I think that makes a lot of sense. In baseball, you, you have to do that, but I think neither Bo nor Vladdy actually did trust their teammates, because if they had, then Bo probably would have stayed at third and trusted that someone would drive him in. Vladdy probably would have stayed at second, a little closer to the bag, and trusted that Bo would have been able to deliver against Sonny Gray on the seventh pitch of that at-bat because Bo was really starting to time him up. But neither one of those guys actually ended up trusting their teammates to the full extent that they should have. Yeah, I, the Vladdy one, I think, is the most puzzling because Bo, Bo you want to, I, I, I'm reticent to criticize people when, when they're aggressive and they're trying to you know change the flow of a game, even though I still think it was the wrong decision. But to me, the Vladdy scenario, like, the extra four feet at literally does not matter. Like if Boba touches green, you're likely scoring standing up. So w- what is the point of, of this? I, to me, it's just, he wasn't paying attention. I don't even really think he was being that aggressive. I think he just, you know, was lost in the moment, but I think we talk about intent and, and if that matters. And so let's go there and have that greater conversation because it, isn't just for me uh, a player failure. I think this is an organizational failure. This is, correct me if I'm wrong, the third year in a row, a pitcher has been taken out in a scenario where, you know, old school baseball, I guess I would say, would have said maybe we we should ride with that starter a little bit more, like to the point where none of us were surprised. Nobody thought that either their number one or number two starter was going to see anyone a third time, right? That was not a surprise. But I, I guess the aspect of this that bothers me the most is not just the outcome, is that the decision has to have been predetermined. Numbers are great. Numbers are great to inform you and give you information to help you make decisions. Numbers shouldn't make decisions for you because yeah. the, the numbers have no context in terms of is he laboring? What's the miles per hour right now? What was it relative to when he was throwing? 
at the beginning of the game, what's the pitch count right now? What's the movement? What is the other team? Are they, are they timing him up to your point? Or are they not even close? Numbers can't bring that into consideration. And even if you looked at Kikuchi's numbers against the batters that he was facing, are you looking at them as a reliever? Are you looking at them as a reliever coming into a game with a man on base, something that he hasn't necessarily done all year? And are you factoring in the fact that your starter is playing a former foe in a ballpark that he really knows? Like, no spreadsheet, no matter how detailed, is taking all of that in consideration and can give you a number that you can trust, which is why you have managers, literally. And, And so what bothers me is when you make these decisions absolutely and point to the numbers as the reason, then all the cavemen in the room say, see, analytics is dumb. Numbers are stupid. Well, that's not true. You, you, you just can't have blinders on as to what you're seeing, and you can't have absolute rules. I've said this analogy about uh, analytics and football. It, rules essentially are made for dumb people. I, I tell my son, you have to cross the street at a crosswalk all yeah. the time and wait until the little man says you can walk because I need him to follow the rule because he's four. However... Yeah. I'm old enough and I know that I should normally do that, but in some cases I can jaywalk if no one is yeah. coming. And, and that's the scenario I find myself in where I'm, I'm looking at people in the game, not just the Jays, but the Jays have not won, so we're talking about them, who are blindly following these rules that have been amassed over a large sample when really a small sample right now is all that matters. Yeah, 100%. I think that's well said. And so, uh, you know, I I almost want to start by, like, zooming out even beyond this decision a little bit because, you know, as you say, this is a discussion that goes bigger than than this moment. And I I think, like, it obviously applies in football, as you're saying. And and in October, as the playoffs continue in baseball, this will not be the last time that that a pitcher is throwing really well and he is taken out of the game. This is not even close to the last time. It'll probably happen on a weekly basis from now until someone wins the World Series. And it might actually help some team win the World Series. It is part of how Major League Baseball works in 2023. And I think that there is an argument to be made that this is not compelling, that it's not aesthetically pleasing. I actually totally agree with that argument, but it doesn't change the fact that this is how Major League Baseball is played. This is just how the sport works in October. So this is not a Toronto Blue Jays thing not a John Schneider thing. It's a major league baseball thing. Um, and then within that, I, I think you're, you're totally right. A manager is hired because that person can basically weigh the numbers and what you think going in versus the facts in front of you of, Hey, Jose Barrios has faced 12 batters. He struck out five of them. He's induced a double play. Even one of the hits that he allowed was a weak little squibber out to Matt Chapman. So we're not talking about hard contact here. He's looking really good. And for me in that moment, because I'm like I said, I was sitting there alongside Shy and Arden Spoiling and, you know, basically kind of managing the game mentally along with John Schneider. Because, um, you know, I think you have to kind of do that in these really close games. And so at that point, I'm thinking you definitely want to have a reliever up because, you know, as you're saying, to, you're not going to let, Jose Barrios go three times through the order because not only is this an elimination game for the Blue Jays, Barrios third time through this year, 845 OPS allowed. To me, that was going to be a non-starter. He was never going to face more than 18 hitters. So he'd face 12. I would have let him face the 13th and possibly a 14th and 15th, but I wouldn't have ever let him face a 19th. And, and, you know, you can say you or anyone else could say that's way too didactic. That's way too by the book. You're you're totally cutting yourself off. But for me, it wouldn't have been 19, but it would have been more than 12. And, you know, it ended up backfiring in a huge way. And now the Blue Jays also have, beyond the result on the field, like, you know, we saw the comments from from Whit Merrifield. And, you know, there's uh, some players said it was fine. Other players might have had their own private views about it. But one way or another, this is something that, that might, um, that might, erode some of the trust uh, within that organization amongst players and coaches and, and front office personnel. Yeah. I mean, the other aspect to it, the human aspect is, you know, if you are Brios, 
there is going to be, and this is why it's important to remember this game's played by humans. There's going to be a change in emotion and feeling when you look over your shoulder into the outfield and someone's warming up nonstop and you're dealing the best you have throughout the game. And oftentimes when I think of logical, strategical decisions in sport and when I'm struggling with them, I come back to this one premise. Well, what does the other team want right now? And whatever yeah. they want is probably what you should not do and vice versa. And if you had a poll and asked the Minnesota Twins, who would you like to be pitching right now? They would not say oh, Jose Brios. And so if you're letting them off the hook, one, that should tell you something. But two, there is a transfer of energy, of momentum, of belief that that changes the prospect of a sport. I Baseball is so unique, and I think our broadcasters do a great job of telling the story of the sport where we understand, you know, where the ball should be, you know, put in play or, you know, where, where the force outs are. But I, I don't think people understand unless you've played at a high level how daunting it can be if you are a team going against a pitcher that is just dealing and no one has any answers and what relief that could be for a club when that scenario is removed, it's the first order of business is let's get the starter out of the game. And so when you do that for a team, obviously it's going to change things. I mean, it's not a tangible thing, certainly, but it's an intangible that spreadsheets can't show. Before I let you go, I want your vantage point on this because fans, media, many have said everyone has to go. Schneider has to go. Atkins has to go. You know, Mark has to go top on down. I actually believe that none of them are going to be gone. And I feel, number one, first order of any employee is to do what your boss wants you to do. And I feel like John Schneider was just executing a plan that was given to him. People can say he has a call. He can jump in front of the bus. John Gibbons would have done something different. Whatever. Like, everyone listens to their boss. Or they no longer have a boss. They're unemployed. <laughs> so I... I, I, I I think John Schneider was doing exactly what everyone thought he was going to do. I'm interested to hear from you if you think he had any leeway in the moment to call an audible. And you, if you want to say, okay, well, Ross Atkins and his uh, analytic and strategy department should all be gone. Well, that's fine. But you know who's in lockstep with that group and what they do? It's Mark Shapiro. And so it's not as if they were sitting there thinking about things differently and viewing the game differently. And then when you look at Mark Shapiro – his KPIs and success factors are not just what this team does on the field or potentially in the postseason. Yeah, that's a big part of it, but a big part of it is stadium renovation. It is uh, making corporate sponsors happy, making broadcasters happy, lobbying with people at City Hall or in the financial uh, aspect to see, will there be another stadium? There are so many other things that he's dealing with that he's scored on that I don't think there's going to be an overreaction in some quarters for him to be potentially in jeopardy. That's my read. But I also know at the same time with those renovations, pass on the price to the customer. Ticket prices are going up. There's a lot of Jays fans that are either apathetic or frustrated. And so it's going to be harder to just bring back a bunch of the same cast of characters and say, we're running it back. What's your viewpoint on you know, what changes we might see on the bench or in the front office? Well, I think, like, first, just to, to speak to the fan aspect of it for a moment, like, man, like, what a gutting season for the fans. And any fan who's frustrated, just totally understand that. That is, like, the worst outcome that you could really have for your team is this frustrating year that ends in more frustration when you have this kind of potential. Um, and, yeah, like, it's a results business. If you're a fan that's disappointed by this, like, that, that makes sense. And if you want some change... Hey, that's your that's your voice as a fan. Um, it's it's just an incredibly frustrating season and way to go down. I think as for the the leadership of this team, you know, if if like for the Shapiro aspect of it, I, I tend to agree with your whole analysis there. And you know, starting with Shapiro, I, there's never been a president of baseball ops that I can remember that's lost a job because of a managerial decision. I, I think you know Shapiro, as you say. Um, has done a lot of things that are kind of at a high level. He seems very safe. Um, Ross Atkins, I, I agree. I think he's, you know, he built a team that was flawed, but also had a very good pitching staff. 
he and Mark Shapiro appear to be linked pretty closely. I think Ross Atkins is staying put. And your analysis of Schneider is spot on. Like, he is doing what his bosses expect of him. And he was hired because he aligns with that to some large extent. Maybe not 100%. In fact, almost certainly not 100%. Because, you know, seeing John Schneider and talking to him in the moments after that game, I've never seen him as emotional. And I understand why. Like, that's a... I, I was about to curse. That is a very, very um, difficult situation for him and for his players and for the coaching staff. And he seemed torn up. But there is a part of John Schneider that agrees with that and that thinks that that was the best way to win that game. Um, so it didn't work. And I don't, I don't think John Schneider is losing his job. There will be changes on the coaching staff um, to some extent. Um, you know, we'll see if they do anything with their hitting. I think there's a strong case to be made for taking a very hard look at what they've done hitting wise. Um, and Louis Rivera is retiring, but um, we'll see if the changes go beyond that. Well, they got a bunch of pending free agents, Matt Chapman, Brandon Belt, Kevin Kiermaier, Whit Merrifield, Jordan Hicks, Hinjin Ryu, uh, and Chad Green has a club option. So there certainly will be changes on the field, especially when you consider that many of those pending free agents were you know, some of their better players uh, over the course of the larger sample size. Um, you could have sworn because it's a podcast, but great <laughs> restraint. Uh, take some time, hopefully away from this team and away from this mess uh, before you recharge and keep us updated on everything this team does to build for next season. Thanks so much, Ben. Anytime, Donovan. Thanks so much, man. Thank you so much to BNS, and he said it himself. Uh, those big bats never really came through. George Springer in the series, 222 average, two for nine. Vladdy, 143 average, one for seven with a walk and a 536 OPS. I don't know what teams can rely on their stars in big moments to come through if those are the numbers. So how much does the blame go to those stars? And how much does the blame go to the group who put this team together? Since Xero, as I mentioned, will join us after the break to give his perspective. My name is Lucille Bryan. I'm Clifton Bryan. My grandson is a show. And I'm so happy that you are listening to Go and Deal with Donovan Bennett. I'm so glad that he had a show. Thank you. Thanks so much, Grandma and Granddad. And they both love the Jays. They watch every game. My grandmother is there watching and knitting and cheering. My grandfather is there wondering why he continues to love this team when they continue to age him. But every day, they're there watching time after time after time. Sid had some very strong comments on breakfast television this morning. I will ask him to give some more context to them now because my fear is people like my grandparents are going to stop watching because they are as frustrated as people like Sid. So let's talk to Sid right now. Sydney, same old, same old for Toronto sports franchises. Jeff Blair, who I thought was outstanding on Sportsnet Central after the game, compared what happened to the Toronto Blue Jays to the Toronto Maple Leafs in terms of the fans really being fed up with what they're seeing. And I understand that, but I think there's a distinction. The fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs were fed up because they saw a team in the regular season that was, by and large, pretty good, and they didn't see that team show up in the postseason. The Blue Jays were exactly who they were in the postseason as they were in the regular season. There's no difference. So I'm not really surprised, quite frankly. I think this is more similar to Dwayne Casey's Raptors, who could not get out of the first round, and fans started to say, well, wake me up in the spring. None of this regular season success matters whatsoever. What say you? Well, uh, nice to talk to you. Um, I I think this is actually worse than the Leafs. That's, in that, that's saying something coming from you. I think yes, because you know me. Um, like this, this is if the Leafs though, like had Austin Matthews score two first period goals and then sit him for the rest of the game. 
Well, I mean, like that's what that's what the Barrios thing was. Well, like no, you, nobody you, in the sport does that, and lots of people, unfortunately, do what the Jays did in this sport. But yes, I I, I get the analogy. Do you know what I mean? Though, like, it wasn't just the loss; it's decisions it, you made that you gave the entire fan base, and quite frankly, people that don't follow baseball a ton, because I'm seeing that today as well, who are all like, you have to screw up really bad to have everyone hate your guts. In 2023, when everything's politics and everything's left and right and everything is just polarized, the feeling I'm getting online of consensus, the feeling I'm getting online of, yeah, agree with all the things. There is no coming to the defense. There is no benefit of the doubt. There's nothing. The Blue Jays and the Brass have no friends. None. Even at the Leafs' worst moment, Dubis had his idiot disciples. At their worst moments. Who's supporting Ross and Mark today? Nobody. For their sake, they better have someone here at Rogers supporting them. Like, I think this is, this, this level of vitriol I've seen over the last 12 hours is, is different from the Leafs for me. It's just stranger. Because on the Leafs side, you still had Dubas fans. You still had people who think Willie Nylander walks on water. You still have people who, who believe in the analytics of paying four forwards $40 million. All the things. And believers in Sheldon Keefe. You still saw that. This is a, a landslide towards the negativity. Landslide. And I've dealt with Blue Jay fans a lot in my life, some of whom are complete morons who never believe this team does anything wrong. You know the type. They think they work for the team. So if anyone attacks their team online, they go after you. You and I have seen that enough. That's not happening here. Any J defender is running for the hills. And most of them are cowards. Because in any other world, they would try and step up. But even they know this is ridiculous. From the construction of the offense, from the play of Bowen Vladdy, to the decisions with the starting rotation, all of it. All of it is, has been put into the oven at 350 degrees, and it's come out with this casserole, in, in, in a casserole of hate. And everyone's dining on it, getting their bellies full. I, this is worse than the Leafs in this town. People are pissed. You at least had some defenders on the Leafs side. Do you see defenders of the, of the Jays here? Because I don't. I do not. And so, but you mentioned Ross and Mark, and you left out John Schneider. And I've had my take on these things, so I'm just going to tee you up on different aspects of this thing and let you go. I disagree with you in the distinction of Schneider being culpable because we all have bosses. We all do things that our bosses ask us to do that we don't want to do. That is called life. I don't think anyone believes, whether it's in that clubhouse or online, that John Schneider made that decision by himself. And so for me, I view him differently than the rest of the group. I don't suspect you do. In terms of the decision, I agree with you. Because, look, at the end of the day, if John Schneider is only a major league manager because he's a yes man, I get it. There's a, there's a few of those in sports. We've seen it. Um. Where I'll disagree is, like, John Schneider's comments after the game, he used words like uh, he had electric stuff, and it was very difficult, and organizational decisions, and you have a lot of opinions. So it was pretty obvious. And then when you hear kind of Bo and Whit Merrifield go, like, it's obvious everyone knew it wasn't him. But where John Schneider, to me, lost the plot was you still are the guy walking to the mound. You know what I mean? Do you, do you remember, um, do you remember the Oscar story with Jack Palance and Marissa Tomei? No, I missed that. Do you remember? On, on Advan Verk's podcast, please humor me. Jack, I don't want to, I can't do cinephile like Advan. But Jack Palance, um, who won best supporting actor a year earlier, I believe for city slickers, he comes out, he announces best supporting actress the following year. That's what you do. He opens the envelope 
and says the winner for Best Supporting Actress is Marissa Tomei uh, for My Cousin Vinny. People to this day claim she did not actually win that Oscar. He made a call. What? I'm serious. Go back, go, go back and read it. He made a call in that spot, why I'm not sure, that Marissa Tomei was going to win the Academy Award. My point is, I don't care what the plan is. I don't care what you're told. I don't care what people have written down in the lineup. I don't care if that lineup's emailed. When you are in pole position, whether you're walking to the mound, on stage at the Oscars, me live here on breakfast television, no one has more power than you. No one. John Schneider knew that was ridiculous. And he could have stopped it, but he's not that guy. He's not that guy. I thought he might be that guy, but he's no different than Charlie. Nothing but yes men in that organization. Now I see the pattern. I can see clearly now. He could have stopped it. Because what the hell was Ross going to do? You think Ross is going to run down and cause a scene? Step in the suite and eat popcorn and shut up. What the hell is he going to do about it? John Schneider had all the power in the world. He was the most powerful, powerful person at Rogers Communication in that moment. Nope. He's a bag man. He's a nobody. He's lucky as a job. That's what he proved. I would have respect. Do you know how much I would have respected a guy who did that? Because afterwards, guess what? If the Jays win, who's going to say anything about it? He's a hero. That guy just screwed himself. And I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt of him not agreeing with that move. I don't think he had anything to do with that. And the players knew it too. The way Barrios reacted to John Schneider, he, everyone knew what was going on. Everybody. They didn't like it, but they knew where it was coming from. Schneider had a chance to lock it down and say, look, we're not doing this now. I don't think Kikuchi got his 13 hours of sleep last night. I don't trust it. And you're staying in the game. Why? Because he's throwing as well as he's thrown all year in a building where he wants to shove it down everyone's throat, and he's on fire. Why would you take him out? He had a choice there, Donovan. I don't care what anyone says. That man had a choice professionally, and I know exactly what he's about. Fraud. Massive. Because he could have stopped it. He was the last line of defense for the fan base. Try and come back from that. He was the last line of defense, and he played along with everyone else. Like a stooge. He's done. But he's not done because he went along with it. I don't think he went along with it initially. He's done because he played the part on stage. And that was a massive moment. And I understand people saying, yeah, you know what? They lost because of the hitting. It didn't matter about the pitching. It didn't matter about Barrios. It didn't matter Kakuti. That's the idiot, the dumbest take of the year in Toronto sports, that that moment didn't affect both dugouts, both. Do you remember the looks on the faces in the dugout when that took place for the J side? Because I do. That you can't, you, you can't unwind that clock. Because I've been in situations, I'm going to speak for you or anyone else, I've been in plenty of situations where I heard about a decision made professionally that didn't immediately affect me, but was demoralizing. That happens in professional environments, constantly. I'm 46 years old. I've seen it all, and that happens. Whether you're on a baseball diamond or here at Rogers or Bell or wherever, that happens. That clearly affected the Jays. Clearly. And, I, and Schneider could have done something about it. Nah. Let's go to plan. Let's go to plan. I'll worry, I'll worry about the post-game press conference. I'll keep Ross happy. I'll keep my job. And how about Mattingly sitting there just watching Rome burn? How about that? He can't wait to see Schneider get fired. What the hell was going on in that dugout? I thought that guy was supposed to bring some, some, some semblance of experience. What the hell is this? Everyone's just got their knives out with Caesar walking around. What the hell's going on with that team? That's one of the dumbest things. Sorry. Well, no, I mean, listen. Time is not on my side right now. I thought Schneider should have done something and manned up. Listen. And he didn't. And I learned everything I need to know about him. I'm still having people 
get at me on my mentions and in my DMs on multiple platforms about the last time you called someone a fraud and I happened to be with you. So uh, hopefully... I, I didn't even think of that. I'm yes, so sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, I really should stop doing that with you. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be nice. Uh, listen, <laughs> he, he, John Schneider might be gone. It would just be him being a scapegoat because whoever fills that role will behave the exact same way because that's how you get the job and ultimately that's how you keep the job. But I don't necessarily know if that would be fair, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because, and here I think is what the business problem is for this team moving forward. You have a nice uh, second phase renovation that's about to happen and you are going to pass off the price of that to your customer and tickets all over the lower bowl are about to increase and being a fan of a baseball team is a marathon. It is excruciating to care about every pitch for 162 games. You're asking people in this fan base specifically, which is, as you know, is a go train fan base that comes in from different parts of Ontario in many parts in the summer, flies to Toronto, makes a vacation out of watching a three-game or four-game set that goes on the road to places like Minnesota and Tampa and Seattle to cheer on this team. The business case of this franchise spending what they are spending, and remember, they have Bo and Vladdy for relatively cheap right now. That Those prices are going to go up. Is that that building is full all the time and that people are watching at their cottage and at their home. I don't know if people are going to sign up to want to do this again in the same way with the same level of enthusiasm. I think that actually is something that, you know, some people need to think about in terms of how you rebuild this thing moving forward. I think you're right. I think multiple people have to eat it here. Like Ross is done. Like the jig is up. Everyone knows he's calling the shots up there. I don't think so. I don't think he so. tried really. So where do you think that decision came from yesterday? I think the, the person sitting beside him was in lockstep with the decision, which is why well, he's here, the person sitting beside him and why well, he's the person that well, came with him thing. to this organization from the last organization where they all thought the same way. And let me remind you, you know, had sustained success, certainly. Um, but, you know, success in this city at this point is determined by putting up another World Series banner, which has yet to happen. I mean, in this regime, uh, playoff series win has yet to happen. World Series banner. They haven't won a playoff game. Um, listen, Mark is safe because the renovation has to happen at this point. So he's not going anywhere. And if 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 season ticket sales slow down, you got a problem. Because you're right. Like I'm, I still remember the Texas series vividly, and not just for the results. Fans just kind of decided, nah, I'm out. Was it back to school? Was it this? Was it that? I don't know. But Jay fans have it in them. And part of me respects it. Like, you're kind of, this is not a Leaf season ticket crowd to just like lemmings show up. Like, you got to earn their trust. If you earn it, the place is full. Jay's fans are, are very transparent and honest that way, and I respect it. I respect it. But you can't, you cannot, you cannot let this go. This was, if you are a paying customer and no one loses their job, there is no greater disrespect to your fan base than what just happened. Especially when you have James Click in your front office who won a World Series as a GM with Houston last year and turned down a one-year extension, which was an insult, and he signed with the Jays in, like, February. He's in your organization. You're paying him. He's sitting there. Ross Atkins has done nothing in his career at this level. Nothing. And you have a World Series-winning GM 12 months ago sitting there as a VP of baseball ops, whatever his title is. You have options right there. You don't have to look. You don't have to look. The corporation's dream. Don't have to look. Boom. Right there. No risk. The fan base is on to Ross. You cannot, you cannot do this again because we're going we're gonna to live in this world and they're going to try and do this in, in, in the locker cleanout days. I guarantee you. Though we don't know who to blame and it's a collective decision. 
I want to throw a stick of dynamite into that theory for any front office because the Jays do that better than anybody. You don't know who the hell's making a decision. So everyone keeps their job. Enough. Enough of that. Because to your point, your season ticket base might shrink. There is an anger here I haven't seen in, in Jays land since like the Tiger series in 1987. This is serious. They got embarrassed yesterday. The fan base was insulted yesterday. Insulted. This is the same team that doesn't come out and acknowledge them after they clinch. This is the same team that goes to Club 107 in their own clubhouse and does their own thing while while the entire stadium empties. And then they come out and take pictures. They don't care about the fan base right now. That's the impression they're getting. But they don't care. And yesterday didn't help. So don't tell me everyone's coming back. Don't tell me everyone that this, it can't happen. It can't happen. It might. We live in Toronto where the only time you get fired is if you try and shift Brandon Shanahan, apparently. Like, that wouldn't shock me. But you have real business ramifications here. Because we're all seeing and hearing the same thing, whether it's online or in person. I'm getting the same thing. Anger. And sometimes there has to be a sacrificial lamb. If John Schneider wants to be the guy who goes out there and pulls a dude after 47 pitches, deal with it. The same Buffalo, bud. Deal with it. You have an entire country up here who saw every inch of that. Deal with it. I think Ross and Schneider need to get bounced within the next 48 hours. Mattingly goes in. He's already on payroll. James Click goes in. He's already on payroll. Like won a ring a year ago. That was one of the most strange, amazing moves I've ever seen the Jays make. It got almost no pub. You have a World Series winning GM right there in your office space. Move him over. But let the, let the damn manager do his job. The analytics on this have to get pulled back severely. Because I guarantee you that garbage was affecting that lineup this year. There's no way it wasn't. If that's the kind of garbage that's coming out of the analytics department from a pitching standpoint. Imagine the hitting. Are you kidding me? We saw it all year. It's got to be changes. There has to be changes. I'm sorry. Again, I wouldn't be stunned if there wasn't because why make changes when things go wrong? Why make changes when people don't do their jobs? Why make changes when people don't reach expectations? Pardon me if I'm a guy professionally who's actually hit his expectations and made people look good and did my job. Heaven forbid someone in the Jays and the Leafs and anywhere else do theirs. But maybe that'll happen. You never know. Well, you never know. Well, I think we both agree that the changes that won't be made is that Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be a part of this team. They've got seven pending free agents. Those two are not one of them. But ultimately, I think a lot of this is covering over the fact that, similar to the Leafs, I suppose, your best players were not your best players when you needed them to be at their best. And certainly in the short term, that is an issue. But I think the bigger issue is how do you come to an understanding of, one, do we lock these players up long term? And two, for what price? Because the conversation has been about promise and listen, Bo had an outstanding regular season, but um, when you look at the postseason numbers, the production for both has not been there. We, we have a real problem in the city of just anointing young players. That's what we do. Mitch Marner's done nothing in his career, $10.5 million. Boom. William Nylander won one playoff series in his career, and people think he's a guy. Literally think he's a guy, analytically. Austin Matthews, he's done pretty well individually. He's won one playoff series in his career. They're not close to winning a Stanley Cup. But they're put on pedestals in this city because we don't know any better. Bo and Vladdy come up. Pedestals. Pedestals. They've done nothing. They've had good all-star weekends. They've had a good April. They've had a good September. Past that, what have they done? Don't give, don't give me the runner-up in the, in, in the MVP voting. That's half a season. What have they done? Nothing in October. They've done nothing. And everyone's walking on eggshells around these two kids. Why? Why? 
you know what, the Raptors with Siakam, they, they haven't figured it out. I was confused by that story for a long time. Now I understand, especially after watching this with the Jays. Show me. Show me. Pascal Siakam won a title as the number two. Show me as the one. The stats are great. Great. Congratulations. All NBA 13, whatever it is. Good for you. We need you in April into May. Not only pumping in 40, but making other guys better. Can you do that or not? Because I don't think Masai thinks he can do that. So don't pay him. I think you trade guys also when you don't want to pay him. That's a different angle to the story. But, like, I get it. I understand it. Show me. The Raptors are asking Siakam to show me. I get where Masai is coming from. And the Blue Jays, after this mess, it's they, Vladdy and Bo have to show the organization they're deserving of that contract, not the other way around. Not the other way around. At some point, you've got to put your foot down and say, I don't think you're ready for this. Because it's not like 3 million people showed up to watch Vladdy hit 50 bombs this year. It's not like 3 million people showed up to watch Bo go for a batting title. That offense was ass the entire home schedule. They still showed up. They showed because they want to see a team win. I think Bo and Vladdy have, have told on themselves enough. Come this time of year, it's time to get serious. I don't care how the hair looks. I don't care how many friends you have at first base. I don't care. Get serious and start playing baseball when it matters. Because these, these, these kids are not ready. They're not ready. So I don't, don't want to hear about locking up contracts. I don't want to hear about any of that garbage. No, 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 no. Focus on getting guys in for next year because the pitching is still going to be pretty good. Focus on next year, and then we'll see what happens. We'll see who's in shape when they show up to camp. We'll see. But I get what Masai is doing. And it dawned on me watching this over the last two days. I get it. Show me. No more anointing in this city. This team's in trouble. Show me. Well, you know what the good news is, Sid? What's that, Donovan? It could be TFC. It could be worse. It always could be worse. It could be where you could have Lorenzo and Senior telling you where to go. Yeah. In a variety of languages. And, yeah, and your <laughs> new manager just taking a sabbatical before he starts the job for some reason. Oh, hold on. Well, we, 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 need to, we need to talk about that another day. I don't hate, I don't hate the observing that's going on. I don't, maybe you and I have different takes on that, but, but, but topic for another day. But, but then why October 1st is this magical day where you all of a sudden are allowed to be the manager? Like, I think that's a Canada soccer thing. That's what I thought that was. I, I've been held on non-competes before, man. I've, I've, I, I know what that's like. It gets weird. Like, it doesn't make any sense, but I, I, I think that's what that was, but I have to get confirmation. I guess, but is, isn't the non-compete over when you stand in front of a room full of press and hold up a jersey and answer questions? Like, aren't you then it can. working? Technically, <laughs> like, what? Technically, technically <laughs> it can, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it seemed like, listen, I don't want any of these losses on my record. But you're going to have a couple of them, and you're still going to be like, yeah, I, it's, it's true. It's, it's, He's it's given bizarre. it the Dunfield treatment for the wins and losses at this point. Yeah. I, I, there could be a little of that. Thanks so much to Sid. And, you know, he went after Bobachette and Vladdy, and it may seem harsh, but their postseason careers have been, quite frankly, inadequate. Both have played six games. Bachette is a 273 average with one RBI and zero home runs. For Vladdy in those six games, 136 average, one RBI, zero home runs. These are going to be the faces of your franchise. The leaders in that clubhouse, you want to see them lead on the field. Show, you've done so many shows on this team. You were literally broadcasting for us on the radio. What is your... Read on what ails this team in the postseason, but more broadly under this current regime. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to win uh, very many games, Donovan, when you score one run in uh, 18 innings. Uh, that That is definitely not the only reason, Ben. There were a lot of things to criticize yesterday. It's funny, when, uh, when Barrios is coming out of the game, one of my roles during the radio broadcast is to be responsible for pitching changes. So like when Ben Wagner 
uh, needs a bit of a breather, right? If there's like an injury delay or a rain delay, one of my one of my roles is just to give him a breather and talk until the game is ready to resume. And so <laughs> I was watching the, this on TV because those guys were at, at Target Field in Minnesota. And so I see Barrios coming off the mound. I see Kikuchi coming in. And I'm like, can I'm in the studio at Baseball Control. And I'm like, I definitely let out a couple of expletives. And like just in time for Ben to say, all right, let's go back to Toronto. Here's show. And I'm like, oh, thank God my mic wasn't on when he, <laughs> when he threw to me. I just, the whole Burrios thing was baffling. And I, I actually fall uh, more on your side of thinking when it comes to, I generally don't put it on John Schneider because if he wants to keep his job, he, he does not have the cachet that dusty baker has right like people people were saying last night that dusty baker a couple of weeks ago did that exact thing like the analytics called for like framber valdez or someone jose or someone to be yanked from the game and he did not he refused to do it he said even said in the post game that he wasn't gonna do it and he didn't feel that it was the right move to go to the analytics based decision. Well, you know what? Dusty Baker can get away with that. No one's firing Dusty Baker. He's like one of the most famous figures in all of baseball. John Schneider is not. If John Schneider wants to keep his job, he's got to be like Sid kind of referenced kind of a yes man a little bit. Well, I, that's a completely separate discussion as to whether or not you want a yes man for your, your as your manager. And uh, you know, and if, if, if that's what the, how the decision-making process is, then there's a whole other conversation about like how, how baseball has turned into that. But that that's why I even I'm, I I don't really subscribe to the, oh, well, if John Schneider wanted to make a statement, he should have defied the, the suits. <laughs> he should have defied the spreadsheet and not taken Jose Barrios out. Yeah, he could have. But if that's the case, <laughs> John Schneider probably wouldn't be the manager today, right? So I, that's, that's the only reason I, I know a lot of people have a lot of issues with his pinch hitting decisions or his, his bullpen decisions, the buttons he pushes. But I, like, I hate to break it to you, but like, he's not making those decisions the vast majority of the time. Like people, people like to think, Donovan, and I know you know this better than most people, that the manager's job in baseball is akin to like the offensive coordinator in the NFL calling a play into the quarterback or on the sidelines of an NBA court or on the bench of an NHL rink them drawing up a play on a, on a whiteboard and like handy, you know, showing it to the players. It's not like that in baseball. It's just, it's a different sort of uh, stakes or a different set of, of like how, how things function essentially. And that's kind of why I, I largely don't blame John Schneider. I do largely blame <laughs> Ross Atkins. I don't think a manager in baseball could be more different than what a football coach is doing in the moment where you have, 30 some odd seconds to make decisions. You can't have input from anybody. And it's tough to script the scenarios pregame in football, just based off the mechanics of how the sport works. Baseball, you know what the lineup is going to be. You know what pitchers are available and what pitches they can and can't throw. And, and so you do have the ability to pre-plan more, but for, for anyone to say, Oh, well, you know, Dusty Baker did this and what that person did in a different organization has literally yeah. n- n- no relevance to what's going on with this manager in this organization. I can say to my wife, well, listen, Fred down the street on Sundays watches football all day <laughs> on four screens and doesn't do anything with his kids. And she'd be like, yeah, that's great. I'm not married to Fred down the street. And so <laughs> the, the fact that other managers are able to do things that John Snyder may or may not be able to do. Are, is, you, imply, are you implying that your wife uh, wears the pants here? I mean, I didn't, I did not say that show. Okay. I, I'm just saying, I'm I just know, inferring. I'm reading between the lines here. Certainly happy wife, happy life. That's, okay? that's fair. And um, Good advice. she is the president of household strategy and analytics. Okay, there you go. And I'm just a manager is what I'm saying. And my first job as a manager is to make sure that the president is happy. And I think that is what John Schneider was doing. And he may not agree with every decision or agree with this one. Ultimately, it it doesn't matter because his job is to execute. And and certainly if, if he doesn't listen and all of a sudden... Brios gives up a two run home run. You know who's in trouble. You know who has to hear it. And you know who some of the same people 
who were thinking it was a terrible decision would also, based on that outcome, would have been critical of it. It would be John Snyder. So, and, and to the same extent, if Kikuchi comes in and throws, you know, three and a third of lights out baseball, then we're saying, man, it was it was all hands on deck, do or die. And you know, but see, here's, here's they the got thing. abundance it, of great starting pitching. If that had happened, it would still be the wrong decision. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not 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 because Kikuchi could couldn't do that, but just because it, like it's one thing to have a plan, and whether or not it works out is is a completely separate thing. It's another thing to have the plan not have factored into like what Barrios is doing. Oh, I agree with that. The, the decision is a decision in a vacuum, and you either believe it's wrong or it's right. right I right. believe that it was wrong. But if that would have happened, we're not talking about it today. Right. It's the difference, and no one is criticizing John Snyder for that decision. It's the difference. And, and I mean, you can make an argument if we want to go deep on analytics that their best pitcher down the stretch was Chris Bassett. And he, when the season was on the line, played no role in the outcome. Like if, if, if we want to talk about using you know numbers and data to our benefit, well, just keeping the starting rotation the same because that was the order that was chosen months ago. Look, that's not really relying on the, the information and the data. Bassett had enough rest that he could have gone. Now, Barrios obviously pitched well, but there's lots of areas where you can say, oh, well, we could have leaned on numbers to inform that decision. My issue is, you know, when you pick and choose without any context, it doesn't make much sense. We will see if, one, we get more clarity as to what the rationale was when we eventually at some point hear from Ross and Mark, and we will see if some of the not just short-term but long-term issues for this roster are rectified over the offseason. I'm still stuck on Gabby Moreno not being a part of this oh, team. So gosh, I, <laughs> I, 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 I have a hard time letting multiple decisions uh, by this front that, office. Go. That, that is definitely, I, I swear Donovan after game one of the series, uh, Blair and Barker, I was producing for them and the, they wrapped up Blair said goodbye. The music had just wrapped up. I turned my head. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on with these other games. I turned my head to the left to see the TV in the studio just in time to see Gabriel Moreno hit an absolute nuke into the stands to essentially seal the win for the Diamondbacks, who then going on to sweep the Brewers. Boy, And, then I, and of course, that was the same game in which Varsho got pinch hit for. Gosh, that that is, <laughs> is not going to be one of the uh, crowning achievements of this era of Blue Jays baseball. And who is the last out? This season, yeah, Varsho swinging through some stuff. Mm, doesn't not not great, not not a great look. I li- I say this as someone who likes Varsho, but that's not a great look. I, I like Varsho when the other team is at bat more than anything. This was going to thank you for listening. Tell your friends to tell your friends, rate, subscribe, review. I think that's all those things that us podcasters tell you to do. We'll talk to you soon.